I'm off today. Because Chris and Ralayoy in town. And Chris is a great preacher of the gospel. Uh, he and his wife lead the church in Lagos, Nigeria, and they oversee uh, the churches in that region. A total of 3,800 plus disciples. And uh, they've been in the ministry since 2014, and God has raised them up to do many great things. Uh, they're also dear friends. Uh, you know, Chris comes to town, and we make sure we find time to to hang out and to, you know, whenever I, I spend time with Chris, you know, I'm trying to just chill and maybe go have lunch and go to a movie, but he always wants to bring up spiritual things, you know, about the needs and in Nigeria and what about this and what about that. And so we, he helps keep me spiritually focused as well. Uh, but today we get to hear from a couple that has really given their lives to serve the Lord uh, out on the, on the, on the mission field uh, to really be, uh, in, our, in our fellowship, the, the, the African churches are, are really a highlight because of how God has worked so powerfully. I mean, we, we have some 12,000 disciples in Africa that started with just a seed of faith. Uh, many years ago, and, and uh, Lagos Church is coming up on, what, the 30th anniversary here pretty soon, and we're all invited. We're all invited to, to come join them in their celebration next next summer. But we're proud of you guys, uh, proud of, of, of Chris and Malayo. Cynthia and I really appreciate uh, their faith and their example. And we're going to get to hear from you as well, right? So come on up. Come on up. Both of you come on up here. And uh, they're not used to the weather that we're having, but I'm sure Chris is going to warm up the place as he proclaims the gospel. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rola Yogunnaya. And I'm Chris Ogunaya's wife. I was baptized in 1989 in Lagos. That was the same year the church actually came to Lagos. The London church planted the Lagos church in 1989. It's the same year that both of us got baptized. And we met as singles that first year the church, you know, was planted. So I've been a disciple almost 30 years. And Chris and I have led the church in Lagos since 2004. And we just so honored to be a part of this family. You know, I have a brother who's in this congregation. Lomayo is my younger brother and uh, his wife Genevieve and uh, one of the greatest joys of my life was seeing him become a disciple, him and his wife, 10 years after we got baptized. I know when I first got baptized, I reached out to my whole family, everybody, all my siblings, my cousins, but it took 10 years for Lomayo to make that decision. But I'm so thankful that he did and I'm proud of just him being a part of this awesome, wonderful congregation. I bring you greetings from brothers and sisters back home in Nigeria and across West Africa. Like Sam said, we oversee the work in Nigeria, also in Ghana, in Liberia, in Sierra Leone, in um, the Gambia and Guinea-Bissau. And total, we have about 3,800 disciples all across all those churches. And it's exciting 
But having you all pray for us, having you all support us the way you do, and the connection that we have in, with the New York Church is so dear to all of us. I know many of you have not been to Africa, but there's a bond that I want you to know exists between our churches back home in West Africa and all of you. We know you pray for us. We know you give your contributions to support us. And we're deeply grateful and eternally thankful for all that you do and the sacrifices that you make just to see the gospel advance all over Africa. Chris and I have two children. Our daughter Stephanie is 23. Our son Daniel is 19 and they're both disciples. And I know they wish they could be here, but hopefully one day you'll get to meet them face to face. We're thankful to God that Lagos is coming on 30 years of just being a church. And for all the work that God has done through that church, we're so grateful. And like he said, you're all invited to join us next year as we celebrate our 30th anniversary. But just to share some great news with, with you quickly, this year was an exciting year for us as we saw a new church planted in one of our eastern states of Nigeria, a church in Oweri. And it was an amazing one because we had, just we had a seed fellowship going on there for many years. And to see that that seed fellowship finally became a church standing on its own was so amazing. The first one month of the church um, existing, we had so many men and women baptized to Christ that first month. It was exciting to see the way God powerfully began that, the gospel in that part of the country. Later on uh, this year, we had uh, the joy of seeing the first teachers appointed in Africa. And that happened in Lagos in July of this year. We had three teachers appointed in Lagos, Nigeria. Thank you so much for sending Steve Kinnard from the New York Church to, to grace the occasion and to actually appoint those three men to be teachers. But God is just expanding the work in West Africa. And we know that your faith is just so inspiring to all of us. I thank you for just your hearts, for your sacrifice, and I pray that you have us too on your hearts and keep on praying for us as we look to just seeing God win the world for him. Thank you. It's great being here uh, with you all. Um, I want to thank Sam and Cynthia for always giving us uh, the stage to share and um, to also have great fellowship with the New York Church. Uh, like my wife said, we have family here, um, and we, are, we always love to be in New York um, because it reminds us of home. When we come to New York, we always feel at home because uh, Lagos is New York on steroids. You know. you know, Lagos is bubbling, it's hot, it's busy, it's crazy. It's smelly, it's everything. We love Lagos. And uh, it always reminds us of home when we're here. And also, it's always a pleasure being around Sam. There's always no dull moments with him. You know, he's always, um, <laughs> it's always exciting. Thank you so much for your friendship. And, um, and uh, a few years ago, brazen, brazen the odds to come to Lagos. Uh, the church there always, always remembers that uh, visit. And we're very grateful. We're thankful, like my wife has said, that um, the New York City Church um, has always supported the work uh, for many, 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 many years in Africa. Uh, we thank you for all you give and still continue to give, you know, to us. Uh, not just in terms of money, but in material, in resources that you send our way, in just the fellowship that we can enjoy. And, uh, and, and the way God, that, you know, God has used you to help us mature and grow. We can always look to you for support in, in diverse ways, and you've always responded positively. I want to thank you for that. I, um, I know that recently, like my wife said, we appointed three teachers 
And it's always been by the hard work of many, um, Douglas Jacoby, uh, Steve Kinnard, have featured prominently because it has been his desire to help, not only just to come down to Africa to teach and instruct the church, of which we are eternally grateful, but uh, he had this dream, this big vision of uh, us also being able to raise up uh, pillars of, of, you know, that will help us continue to grow our churches in Africa. And one of those is raising up teachers. Yeah, I know it wasn't as hard for many, many years, up, upwards of seven, six years, he, he committed himself to teaching us, instructing us. And, uh, and um, a few months ago, uh, we proudly were able to appoint three teachers from the Lagos Church. And, uh, and we're very grateful that you could send him to come. It was a very emotional time. It was a, a, very, a very wonderful time. And uh, we're also grateful that um, we, we, we have four elders in the Lagos Church as well. And, uh, and the role that, that the, the New York City Church played, sending your elders a few years ago to help us kickstart our youth and family ministry and helping us to see how we, we, we ought to really build strong in building our homes. And, um, and that was about 10 years ago. And, and to see the fruits of that. And not only have we appointed four elders, we have streams of shepherding couples all across Lagos. And by extension to all the other churches in Nigeria. And, uh, and we are building solid. And we are following your example in so many ways. So that um, not only are we baptizing, but we are also growing and retaining you know, and, you know, what God has helped us to attain. And, and for that, you know, we, we, we feel privileged to see the growth that this has brought about. And um, not to talk about our youth ministry that has thrived in so many ways. We, uh, we, we're very grateful that uh, God is sending support uh, through many diverse ways to help us. I want to thank you for your prayers for us and uh, for the way that... Um, you have continually set us a good example. Today we're going to be talking about bold vision. And, um, and I know that in wanting to talk about boldness, sometimes we want to talk about doing something extraordinary. We want to do something that someone else has not done. Maybe we want to do something that scares us, that's um, bold as it is. But today I'm going to be sharing about Jesus' prayer from John 17. And how there's a lot we need to learn if we really must be bold people. In John 17, this was the last moment Jesus was on earth. And for the many years he was around, he had people following him. He did many bold things. He did many incredibly amazing things. He fed 5,000 from literally nothing. 4,000 at one time. He turned water into wine. He raised the dead. He gave sight to the blind. He did many incredibly bold things. And as he was about to die, as he looked to the cross, One will say, well, what is the bold thing he wants us to do as he goes on, as he, as he moves on to go be with God? And this is what Jesus said to his disciples in John 17. 
After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. You granted me authority over all people. You granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus' prayer to God was a prayer of humility and submission. He set us an example as a leader by teaching us how to be humble. Praying to God was humble for Jesus because my Bible says that Jesus was in, every, in very nature God. And so to pray, to humble himself in that way to pray is an example that you and I must follow. He prayed. He said, we, can, we cannot see great things in the future if we do not see God in the picture. For us to have bold vision, you've got to ask yourself, do you see God in the picture? Jesus always put God first. And that is a bold thing to do for a man who was in very nature God. You know, I know we all know what authority is all about, but I come from a country where people want you to know who they are. You know, people go by all kinds of titles. You know, strange titles. You know, when you walk in, you want to be recognized. You know, you see some people, they call themselves chief, doctor, engineer, architect, Chris Ogunaya, and they want you to know that they have all these titles. And just because they want to feel cool, they want to feel good with themselves for what they have achieved. Philippians says that God, Jesus was in very nature God, but he did not see equality with God something to grasp. So first and foremost, for us to have great vision, a bold vision, we've got to be like Jesus in the way we put God first. It must be about God first. God in the picture. The heart of a visionary is that of humility and submission to God. And so he prayed. A prayer is an act of humility. Where you are recognizing the authority of someone over you. Where you are publicly displaying complete surrender. You know, if you had all the power in the world and you were sitting here today, would you want us to know you? Would you want us to see you? Or would you take the back seat and be quiet? You know, it is always, you know, the, the you know, when we gather like this in a place, you know, people with authority and with power, 
don't want to be recognized. But Jesus always wanted people to recognize the power of God in his life. And he, without fail, always continued to tell his disciples, it is not me, it is God. I can do nothing of my own, of my own accord, but God. He prayed all the time. He took time to let them know where the power is coming from. Even when it was also obvious that he was God in very nature, he still wanted people to know that it is all about God. He said, Father, glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. It is about God first. For he knew that God granted him the authority. On whose authority are you living? On whose authority are you doing what you are doing? On whose authority are you able to achieve all that you've achieved? On whose authority do you live, move, and have your being? Do people know that from just meeting with you? Do we talk about God all the time? Or do we talk about ourselves and what we want to achieve? You know, each time we hear great people who have achieved great things talk, they tell us all the formulas. There's many books on Five simple way, five easy ways to do this. Ten easy ways to do that. Whether in your marriage or in business, you know, all of us want easy ways. I want the easy way. I want, just don't tell me too many, tell me five things I need to do. You know, but Jesus always said there is only one way. It is God. Is it God for you? Or is it many ways? Boldness. Visionary boldness can only come from, but from God. God wants to glorify himself by glorifying us in the battle. It is his battle. And his battle is to win us and the world to himself. God has all the power and all the authority in the world. And so how often do you pray and fast? Because that is, believe it or not, those are the simple things that we fall, that we fail to always recognize. Prayer and fasting. How often do you pray and fast? You know, I've heard many books on prayer and fasting, and everybody has written books on prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is simply humbling yourself and denying yourself of food. You know, I know many people have written, oh, you know, deny myself of cell phone, deny myself of Coca-Cola, deny myself of watching movie, deny... All I see in the Bible is about food. It's a simple, humble yourself and stay away from food so that you can feel the pain and then you can feel the weakness in your body. And know that God is sustaining you. So in writing about books on fasting, there have been a lot written. But the simple one here is about food. And I want to stick with that. Stay away from food. And you will be okay. You won't die. And then pray. Spend time and pray. You know, I live in a place where it is so easy to be distracted. Jesus had so many people pressing in. He was a busy man. People are coming through the windows. Some are coming from the roof. Some are coming from everywhere at him. And he will feel cool about himself. 
you know, if it was me, I would say, man, look at all these people. They are gathered to see me, to consult with me. I, I'm a cool man. And I could walk and walk and walk. And I said, man, I'm tired. I have a bold vision. But it is all about prayer. And for me, it is a challenging thing being in the ministry, being able to find time to pray with my mind focused on God. It is a challenge. Because even when I close my eyes and I'm praying, I am still thinking about the things that I want to do. I know a few months ago we talked about uh, a brother, um, Michael Burns and James Becknell, they came over and they taught us a class on spiritual disciplines. One of the biggest disciplines for me is to be quiet, to be still before God. And I worry a lot. I get very anxious. I get very fearful. You know, when you live in a society where it is, you know, the, the world where I live in don't sleep. You know, people are busy. There's so much traffic jam, no water, no lights, poverty all around. You just want to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. But our life is full of being busy. And so all we see is what we want to accomplish. I remember a few, uh, the years when, when uh, Sam came and he was talking to me. And I was like, man, I want the church to be 2,000. I'm worried. I want to be 2,000, you know. And so he said, okay, so this year, how, how much uh, do you want to grow? He said, oh, I want to grow by 200. Bold vision. And then he said, when was the last time you grew by 200 ever in the ministry? And I said, um, I can't remember, but, uh, but I want to grow by 200. He said, so how do you want to get it accomplished? And I had all these big dreams and all these big things I want to do. And he said, you know, bro, you need to, you need to relax. You need to pray. You need to be a man of God. God will work it out. It's all about God. And I decided to call my old staff and, and I preached the same message to them. You know, it was like, oh, I was inspired. And when I preached to them, all their faces were like, wow, that's, that's very inspiring. That's from, from God. You know, because they were all feeling the same pressure. Everybody was feeling the pressure. But we are not praying. So we decided we've got to pray more. We've got to call the church to prayer. For the last many years in the Lagos church, we begin the year every year with prayer and Bible study for the whole church. We've got to call a corporate prayer and fasting for the church. At some point, it was going on for five years, every 40 days of the year, the first 40 days of the year, we called the church to prayer and fasting. Then I think last year, we, we did 21 days. And people are coming in with all kinds of crazy ideas. And we cannot even stop because right now people are asking, let's pray, let's fast, let's pray, let's fast. And for those five years, we've seen great increment in the church. We've seen people changing. We've seen things happening in the last five years. Just calling the church to prayer and fasting. When we humble and surrender ourselves to God, He will take over. And He will bring all our vision to fruition. There is nothing impossible for God to do. So I ask you, when was the last time you fasted? On your own. When was the last time you called people in your group to fast? To humble themselves in prayer. We've got to shun fear, insecurity. Because we live in a world where there is so much militating against us. Health challenges, 
death of loved ones, death of close friends. You know, even this past few months, I had to attend many funerals. And it got to me. I got sick too. It got to a point like I was feeling like every little ache and pain in my body, I was going to die. You know, I was so full of a lot of, a lot of negativity. But I have to remember that I've got to practice the presence of God daily. You can do nothing of your own. God sometimes puts us in a way to show us our frailty, to show us that we are nothing but Him. We have what we call the power series that we go through in the church. What is the power series? Prayer and fasting. That is where we've drawn the power for the last eight years to begin to see growth in our church. Our corporate fasting, our corporate, you know, calling God will help us grow. Jesus Himself exemplify that for us as a bold visionary. So as you want to grow in being men and women of boldness, let us start with the little things of prayer and fasting. Let it be our watchword. Let's talk to each other. You want to be bold? You want to do great things? Pray and fast. Amen. And Jesus said, he continued in his prayer. My second point is, you in the picture. Once God is in the picture, great. But then you need to be in the picture as well. You know, when you are in a group photo and somebody shows you a group photograph, the first person you want to look at is yourself, correct? You want to look at how you are doing. You want to look at whether you smile. You want to look at how... You, are, you don't care about what other people are look, look like. You care about yourself. So let me talk about that a little bit. You know, because when we're in this bold vision, we want to see great things happening, the world changing, people turning to God. You want to know how you future in this big picture, correct? You want to know. You should know how you're, how, how you, how you're featuring. In verse 6, this is what it said. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me. John 17, verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now... They know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture will be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore that I, am, that I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus said, you know, I have this big picture, this big dream. God, you sent me into the world to save the world. But even before that, God, you gave me some to be with me. And these are the disciples. These are those in the big picture with me. 
They are important to me. Father, protect them. Take care of them. And that is you and I in the picture. He prayed for us. He prayed for you. He prayed for me. Why? Because you and I have received salvation. And so we are special to God. We are special to Jesus. We accepted God. We said, yes, Jesus is Lord. And we became special to Him. Accepting the grace of this new life in Christ Jesus. We are no longer of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Amen. So how do you see yourself, brother? How do you see yourself, sister? The biggest problem we have in the church is that a lot of us have lost our identity. We become disciples. We're fired up about it. The first time you got baptized, you came out from that water of baptism. You were so excited. You want to, you, you want to conquer the world. You want to let everybody know. You, you are shining. Two years down the line. Three years down the line. Four years down the line. Five years down the line. We are not as excited anymore. And that is defined by, your, by our attitude. By our nonchalance. Sometimes we become cynical about the church. Sometimes we become cynical about our faith. Sometimes we become weak and tired and weary. And, and, and we're like being urged on. Hey bro, you're a disciple. Be fired up. Be happy. You know. But Jesus in this prayer is helping us understand how important we are. In this bold vision that he has for the world to be reconciled to God. We are a key factor for which he came to die on that cross. He died and spilled his blood so that you and I can have a special relationship with God. We are special in his eyes and sometimes I forget. I forget that I bear the name above every name, that I'm a Christian. That wherever I go, I am shining that light. Even though sometimes I don't feel that way. Sometimes I feel weak. Sometimes I feel, I feel dirty of myself because of the sins. Because I fall over and over again. And sometimes I feel I cannot. Am I really a Christian? Maybe some few years after I became a Christian, I was really a Christian. But now, nah, man, I've, I've, been, I've messed myself up. So much that sometimes I don't feel like I'm, I'm a Christian or I'm, I'm shining that light. Like the Bible says that you are this, you're like a city on a hill. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like God is making us appeal on his reconciliation of the world through you? Are we bold to remember that? That we are special. We are a special people of God. Protected and kept safe by God because Jesus asked for that of God. Father, protect them. Watch over them. Keep them safe. I walk around sometimes just being afraid of everything. Even a common cold. When I get flu, I get worried. And I think I get worried about many things. You know, you know what will happen to me? You know, what, will I be here tomorrow? Will I be here next tomorrow? You know, I have my daughter. I want her to get married. I want this. I want that. I, I want the church to grow. I want the church to do this. There's nothing wrong with all those things, thinking about those things. But you need to feel safe and protected. You need to feel that you are with your Father every day. I need to feel like God is walking with me. Do you see God being there for you? 
How do you see yourself each day? You know, the way we see God, the way we see ourselves in the picture, the way we urge each other to see ourselves in the picture, really affects the way we have fellowship. The Hebrew writer says, let us fall one another on towards love and good deeds. In, in chapter 3, he says, See to it that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart, encouraging one another daily. Why? Because of how special we are. We cannot lose our identity. We've got to urge each other on, because sometimes we come in here discouraged. We've got to look out for each other and say, Brother, come on, keep on. Let's pour one another on towards love and good deeds. Yes, there are a lot of people out there in the world we need to save, but our fellowship here needs to be secure. We need to be protective of one another. We need to be in each other's life. Because God sees us, Jesus sees us, and He wants us to stay together. He says, they are one, just you and I are one. Father, glorify yourself in that. Are we one in the church? Does everybody feel the warmth of being in this fellowship? We're a family of believers. Brothers and sisters, the race is tough and it's hard. The world out there is mean and corrupt. But in the church, we have one another. We need to make each other feel safe. I know there have been these issues of talking about diversities and race and culture and, and different things that, that seem to come and divide us in the church. We need to remember that Jesus died for everyone. He sees that big vision, that big picture of what the church is. White, black, you know, tall, short, big, small, poor, rich. That is the church of Christ. And so when we come to fellowship, do we feel a sense of belonging? Do people feel a sense of belonging in the church? Do you feel that I am a child of God, worshipping with other children of God. What role can you play to help your brothers and sisters feel secure? We have small groups, and we're going back to emphasizing our small groups being the church. You know, the little groups in our homes. In Acts 2, he talked about they broke bread in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. That is the church of Christ. Are people breaking bread in your home with a glad and sincere heart? You know, we need to love the fellowship because you are in the picture. I'm in the picture of this great vision that God has. You are in the picture, bro. You are in the picture. I'm in the picture. And we all need to keep each other in the picture. We don't want to lose anyone. Jesus has an eye. You know, I, I didn't lose anyone, but so that scripture may be fulfilled. We've got to fight for each other to stay in the picture. So that that big vision of what God had, Jesus had for us, when he prayed for us in John 17, will be brought to a fruition. Our small groups must be engaged. Everyone must be engaged. We must have everyone participate in our discipling times or in our fellowship time with one another. We need to be engaged. You are special. God has brought you into the church so that you can give and have an impact in people's life. You are special. Amen? You are.
and you bring a lot to bear. You may not be the Bible talk leader, you may not be the evangelist, you may not be the whatever, but you are who you are. A special daughter and son to the most living God. And he wants you to be a part, to feel, to give. If it is smile, smile. If it is to laugh, laugh. If it is to eat, eat. If it is to give, give. Right? The Bible says we'll all bring everything to the party. Correct? So bring what you, you know, if you don't have anything, just come. You know, so that we all, so that the house can be complete, so that the picture can be complete. We don't want to do any Photoshop, we don't want to do any Photoshop or whatever they call it. You know, you know, you do some Photoshopping or what do they call it, you know? Oh, Photoshop, you know, you just try to just oppose your picture. No, you are originally in the picture. We don't want you to just be added. You are there already because the Holy Spirit has brought you. Amen. God has made you one. And finally, brothers, here is the prayer as Jesus concludes. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me. I think here, verse 20. Okay, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. You have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me because, sorry, before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The final vision, it all, the picture all comes together. And you know, Jesus is saying, God wants the world to believe and to be brought to Christ. And that is, a, and that is, that is what the true big goal vision is. That the whole world will come together. Not only just that, hey, we are united with God, united with one another, but that we can bring people to come in as well and be united in that one big family. Our unity is not complete without the reconciliation of the world to God. What makes us complete is the conversion, the restoration, the reawakening of the church to its calling. We've got to always remember that. Our community needs healing. Our community needs restoration. Our community needs conversion. We must be seeing these three things happening in the church. We must be healing each other through the power of the world, in our discipline, in our encouragement, in our spurring one another on, through, through our interactions and through our fellowship. We must continue to call those who have left the church. Our brothers and sisters have fallen away. We've got to reach out to them to come back. We've got to pray for them to come back. Next year is our 30th anniversary, but we are setting aside a huge three or four months. We are calling a month of reconciliation and restoration. We are going after every single person we know that have left the church. We want to bring them back to reconsider their stand in being part of this one big family. We know we are going to restore some. 
We are going to try and reach many who have left. We've got to remember that God, the door of the church is open. God is still open wide his arm to bring many back to him. We need to also continue to talk about conversions. We need to continue to talk about pray for our families to be converted, for our neighbors to be converted, for the world around us to be converted. We've got to pray for souls. Who are you praying for? By name. To become a disciple. It is our joy. Jesus says, my joy will not be complete until the world is reconciled back to God. How engaged are you in sharing your faith, in serving the poor, and in reaching our neighborhood? Our colleagues, people we meet on the street with the good news about Jesus Christ. We've got to keep our Bible talk small so that more people can come in. We've started asking the church in Lagos, let every home be a Bible talk venue. Because Jesus sent them out in twos. So once people get married, we're sending them out in twos. They get a home, let them start a Bible talk. We want to grow. We want to have over 400 Bible talks going on in the Lagos city. We know it can happen. Because we cannot forget that the complete love, the complete unity Jesus is talking about is incomplete without us having that eye to bring the world to a reconciliation to God. And that's why he calls us to be in the ministry of reconciliation. He says, we are ambassadors of, you know, that he has sent into the world. Our mission on earth, our big vision, will not be complete without the world coming to know Christ. I want to say how grateful we are to see a lot of young people rising up, the next generation, rising up and doing great things for God. We are seeing the growth of that, we're seeing people gain even, even the mission planting that we had recently in the city of Oware. We saw a lot of young people volunteering, about 60 of them going to that town, spreading the word, preaching daily. And they were like, man, let's do this again. And so what did we do? We decided to do our mission, what we call member mission efforts every year, where each region of the Lagos church will adopt a church. We have 18 churches outside of Nigeria, outside of Lagos. And we adopted those churches and twice a year, members will sign up and go and spend weekends of just evangelizing, praying, fellowshipping with these small churches. And it's incredible the fruit it has brought. Uh, small churches are growing now. We have churches that are growing from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50. We want to have churches grow. But we also want to have the big churches not become too big and too stagnant and stuck because we are not going out and doing the mission work and completing that work that Jesus had called us to. So we say, hey, yeah, we're not going to plant a new church, but we're going to go to the, to the smaller churches. We are going to take the mission work there. We're going to go there and do God proud. And it is bearing fruit. What mission effort or work are you going to do differently? How are you going to you know, be with Jesus in reconciling the world back to him? Brothers and sisters, that's a big vision. That you stay close to God. That you see yourself in the picture as being protected and, and given the authority to go out in the power of God that God has given us. And to always think about ways to bring about restoration, to bring about conversion, and to bring about healing to the world. That is a bold vision. Thank you for listening. God bless. You've just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nyc.org.
CCOC.net.